Welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Build Up Road to Cheltenham here on Balls.ie. A weekly look ahead to the biggest races in the Cheltenham Festival, all in association with Ladbrokes. Why are we doing this? Well, look, let's face it, some of us, me, don't watch as much racing as we should, ah, but we want to be ready to go. We want to know what the hell is going on come the 16th of March, come Tuesday and Supreme Novices Hurdle. We want to know exactly what's happening, and boy, by God, we will. And we'll do it all in the company of our very own Shaman of Cheltenham, Angus O'Makeen. Shaman, I was going to say. Angus, how are you? You're very welcome. Getting excited now, three weeks. Three weeks to go, three weeks to go. If people want to look back, they can listen to episode one. We did ask me anything there is. Anything there is about the Arkle or the Queen Mother Champion Chase, and I'll be able to answer it for you uh, after the, the, the lesson that, uh, the, that Angus gave us last week on the show. If you want to be as knowledgeable as me, just go back and listen to episode one. But episode two, we're going to do the Champion Hurdle, the big race on the Tuesday. We're going to do the Ryanair Chase, one of the, one of the great conundrums of the Cheltenham Festival, as always, Angus. Um, but it's been a it's been actually a very interesting day or two for Cheltenham. I said you we're three weeks away, and news very recently that amateur jockeys won't be able to go, which has huge implications. Huge implications. Lots of amateur races at Cheltenham, which are for amateurs only. Um, no, we assume they're not going to be going ahead. Um, a lot of amateur jockeys as well, obviously, are in the big races. Uh, Patrick Mullins is just one that would obviously have a lot of big rides. Um, who's going to take his rides now? You know, um, and he's been talking about going professional. That would be massive. Um, yeah, there's three weeks away, only three weeks, but between now and then, you can imagine there's going to be a huge amount of storylines. This isn't the end of this story. Um, I think I was reading up in comments last night, I think a, large, a lot of the amateur jockeys have kind of accepted their faith. But I think, you know, Patrick Mullins has left it open, has left the opportunity or the possibility of going uh, professional open. And um, yeah, that would be a, that'd be very interesting. And you'd love to yeah. see him at the festival too, because he's, uh, he's a great talent. And I'm sure uh, Willie could certainly do with him and his arsenal for the big races. Yeah, this is it. So, like, we, we talked about Willie um, Mullins and his jockey situation last week, bringing Brian, Brian Cooper back into things. But if he, he lost his nephew, David, who retired. Uh, Patrick would be on a lot of a, a lot of his horses. Uh, obviously, he's still got Paul Townend, but, like, there's no Ruby to be calling on anymore either. Suddenly, his uh, jockey stable just looks a lot uh, a lot lighter than it did just a couple of years ago. Yeah, and that's, that's why he'll... No, I'm, I'm sure he might be, he might have a say in Patrick's decision as well, because um, especially for the big races, no, I think in the Ryanair as well, even the great Willie Mullins might be struggling to find out which is his best chance. And if he has three or four of them, like he'll want four dependable jockeys and four jockeys that have proven it. And you know, Patrick certainly has. Patrick has ridden in Gold Cups. He's ridden in all the big races, the champion hurdles. Um, you want someone dependable. He's dependable. Um you know, it'd be, a, it'd be quite the development, but, you know, in a way, I probably wouldn't be awfully surprised if I see them going professional. And I wouldn't be awfully surprised to uh, see Willie pushing his son in that direction either. Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, look, there's loads to talk about. These these names will come up again over the course of the chat. Just again to remind everybody, we are doing this as a sort of a 
Agus is watching things every week. There's a lot of experts out there who have their opinions on everything there is to know. For the likes of me, I love horse racing. I particularly love Cheltenham. I just want to know what's happening to make my. Uh, I want to have as much information to hand. I want to know all the storylines going in. So when it comes to the races uh, in between the 16th and the 19th of March, I want to know exactly what's happening uh, so that I can make some decisions based on it. But there's no bigger race than the Chappie Hurdle. We talked about the Arca last week. I'm sure we'll do the Supreme Novices, the brilliant one 2 three start to the festival. Well, one 2 four, really, I suppose. They, they do give us that let-up uh, <laughs> on the Tuesday. But that that the big race, the Chappie Hurdle, always one of everybody's favourites. Again, something that it has a lot of... Uh, a lot of Irish um, success over the years. But you just look straight away there and you see Epitant, second favourite, last year's champion. And straight away you're thinking, who's this honeysuckle character? Because you wouldn't normally see the uh, the last year's champion not favoured the year after. No, but uh, honeysuckle has been for a while uh, coming talent. Uh, she's unbeaten. She's the mayor, like Epitant. Um, she won the mayor's hurdle at last year's festival after she'd won the Irish champion hurdle before that, and she won it impressively. Um, you know, when you're coming to a champion hurdle like this, there's so much talent, especially the top three in the market, Honey Suckle, Epitan, and Goshen. You're not really making a case for either horse. You have to make the case against each horse. You know, and um, Honey Suckle, there's no case to be made against her. Uh, she's just flawless. Everything she's done, she's won every way. She's won romping home in big races. She's won in tussles and battles up the top, coming coming to the line. She's won on all sorts of ground. Her jumping, there was question marks over it uh, in the past. Small question marks. Those issues aren't there anymore on her last performance. Um, it's just impossible to make a case against her. Mm. Um, I, I have been scratching my head saying, surely there's something. Oh, Cheltenham form. She doesn't have Cheltenham form. Well, no, she does. She's uh, she won last year's mayor's hurdle, as I said. And uh, and often with mayors, you know, the public there's always an outcry for the best mayors to be entered into the champion hurdle. You know, that's what the public want. They want the best horses taking each other on in the best races. And when a mayor comes along and wins a big race like Honeysuckle did, Irish champion hurdle, there's a temptation there for connections trainers, you know, to run in the mayors at uh, Cheltenham because. It's a grade one. It's still a grade one. It's a prestigious race. There's money. You know, it's an easier grade one. There's still money there to be earned. Mm. And more competition in the champion hurdle. It makes sense. It doesn't make and sense. And Vega isn't there to make, to guarantee the win every year now anymore yeah. either. So. <laughs> yeah. So usually there's an outcry every year. Apples Jade was, is a case in point where yeah. everybody said, Apples Jade, she has to run the champion hurdle. Michael O'Leary was like, Mayor's Hurdle's there. She's definitely going to win that. Why wouldn't I go to the Mayor's Hurdle? But uh, obviously, that may have come up again this year with Honeysuckle. Say, oh, we should go to the Mayor's Hurdle or the Champion Hurdle. But there was never any debate because she's just so impressive. Henry de Bromhead or Kenneth Alexander, or her, own, her owner, um, they've been left with no choice but to bring her straight to the Champion Hurdle. You, you just couldn't put her into the Mayor's Hurdle. Mm. Uh, she's just, every aspect, every facet of her game, she's just... You know, I've been using this um, phrase a lot. She's a, this is a sensational talent, but this really is a superstar in the making of all yeah. the horses at this year's uh, festival. I'd probably be, you know, using that line a lot. Oh, this, this is a superstar, a possible superstar, but this is the genuine 
superstar possibility to cross the whole festival. She's yeah. just that good. Wow. Wow, that's a big endorsement. Wow. I also, I have to say, I don't know how much this will come into whether she wins or not. It could. I don't know. I don't know anything. But uh, she's got a great name. <laughs> I can see, you, no, but honestly, though, in, in terms of like being a superstar, isn't Honeysuckle like one of the like the perfect names for everybody to get excited about? Again, I'm still thinking of Cheltenham as something that's going to have 50,000 people throwing their yeah. programs up in the air. It's not going to be that way this year, unfortunately, but we will still have our moments watching on TV. Uh, maybe we're doing that virtually. But, uh, you know, I do think Cody Suckle is one of the, like, it, it, it jumps off the page straight away as a great name for one of those horses that the whole world is on, you know, yeah, that we're all, see, we all want her to win. You can see in uh, years to come, reading back on the great, about the great Honeysuckle, being spoken about in the same breath as Dawn Run, and they're like, oh, but I'm getting carried away by myself. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a, that's a jump. Yeah. You, you know, you well, tell know. us about Epitant then, because there is other, like, I, I know you want to talk about Goshen, and that's an interesting one, and there's other, there's other interesting horses throughout the race, but tell us about Epitant, because, again, it's it, we talked a little bit about uh, about about um, Palidolog last week, maybe not getting the respect of a champion in the champion chase, you know, third favourite, and probably being a bit dismissed. Uh, despite winning it last year, but Epiton is second favorite. Still, like not a huge price by any means. Eleven to four there on Ladbrokes, so not one to dismiss completely. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And again, I'm going back to the case you have to make against every horse, and rather than for every horse in this race, particularly because there's so much talent. And again, Epiton seems exceptional. One small blip. Um, she lost at Kempton, lost to Silver Streak, who also uh, appears in this field. I think he can excuse that that um, run at Christmas at Kempton. Uh, otherwise, you know, last year's winner coming back again. Um, like Honeysuckle, she's also mayor, so she's given she has uh, an advantage of seven pounds. Like Goshen has to give seven pounds to her because she's a mayor. So I think that will come for her advantage. Um, obviously. She's without Barry Gershi aboard this year. Barry Gershi um, retired. And um, everybody knows Barry Gershi is a great jockey. Um, he's spoken in the same breath as all, as all the greats. And, you know, Ruby was great around Cheltenham. You know, Davey is still there and he's still great, he was great around Cheltenham. And you have your Paul Carberries. They're all fantastic around Cheltenham. All the great ones are. But I don't think any of them are quite as good as Barry Gershi. Barry Gershi was just a different animal around the track. And um, he was on, obviously on Epitant last year and not this year. So I think it'd be Aidan Coleman taking that. Uh, highly talented jockey as well. But I wonder, will that be would that make any difference at all? Yeah. Probably not. But you have to, as I said, in these um, highly competitive fields, you have to really nitpick to try mm. and figure out where the advantages are going to uh, appear, and maybe that will will this have a length or two advantage? With yeah, uh, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm really kind of going down a rabbit hole here, but um, it's worth noting. But she she is fantastic, deserving of um, deserving of um, favoritism, being uh, last year's champion, only for Honeysuckle to come along and be so bloody exceptional with everything she's done and being a Cheltenham winner as well. Um, it's fair enough. But I think she's definitely, unlike political log, I think she definitely uh, has the respect of everybody. Of the champion. Yeah, yeah. I think she does. 
That's fair, yeah. So look, we've got two the you see there, like there is a third horse that's under five to one uh in Goshen ninety two. And this is interesting as well because you're talking about I my interest anyway a lot of the time is like who's the, the people's champion and you know, I think there is definitely an element of the two mares going up against each other that's gonna be a great storyline. But Goshen has his own little interesting story, his own, you know, sob story from Cheltenham last year and is in some form as well, like only one at the weekend. Yeah, let's go back to last year's champion, uh, last year's triumph. first. Yeah, the triumph. Um, Goshen was the uh, everybody's banker of the week last last year. He was just exceptional. He was a bit of a one-trick pony, but you know when you consider a one-trick pony in soccer, you know that striker is a one-trick pony. He can score goals. It's a very good trick. It was kind of the same with Goshen. One-trick pony. He ran a race one way. Flew out ahead, left everybody else for dead. But like, it's a very good trick. And uh, went to the festival last year, did the same trick, way out ahead. I say he was about going to win 20, 30 lengths, which is phenomenal. Um, Come to the final fence, uh, got over the final fence, hind legs clipped his front legs, and Jimmy Moore went tumbling, and Goshen went somersaulting, literally. And, um, you know, Ash was devastating. It was. Because uh, for Jamie Moore as well, he's not a guy that wins a lot of these big races. And same with Gary Moore, the trainer. So he came back this year. Now, the form doesn't scream, uh, you know, it's not, it doesn't look great. And, you know, when you look at the race card, you see one, 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 or then you see three, four, depending on how they got on the race. Mm. Well, obviously, the one, one, ones, he, they've dropped. And, um, that, you know, that would scream that, you know, he's lost his whatever he had. But you need to kind of investigate a little bit more because he's been campaigned very unusually. He went to the flat and uh, he was campaigned there. And then he went back to Cheltenham and came 10th out of 10. But I think there was excuses there. I think he had like a defibrillating heart afterwards or something, so you can excuse him. But he's been campaigned like a, like a, a horse at a small-time trainer that's, mediocre at best you know just looking for somewhere you can run them because there's not an awful lot of space or you know give us a handicap give us something where you can run them. but like not you, a don't, you, don't, you don't usually do that with possible championship horses and uh you know i i i, I kind of regret not having discussed this uh race last week because he was at 16 17 to 1 and um I always fancied him. I never understood why he was that high because he had excuses for all his bad runs on the flat, obviously. Well, it's a flat. It's a different sport. And, uh, you know, for the run, for the run, then he had back at Chatham over hurdles. Well, there's excuses there. And then, obviously, last year, Chatham only for he fell at that last, that last hurdle. He would have run to him. Mm. So, you know, I think he's deserving of being prominent in the market. He proved that at Warwick, um, Last about half three last Saturday, where he turned them, turned this race upside down into one of the most anticipated ones of the week. Um, again, let's go back. Can we make a case against him? And that's probably where the difference is between Goshen and the two mares. He has to give the two mares seven pounds. Also, Jamie Moore's on board. Jamie Moore's a great jockey. There's no no arguing with that. Um, I wonder will the experience compared when you compare him to like Rachel Blackmore would be on Honeysuckle 
um, at the time probably written by Eden Coleman. Will the experience count against him? I'm also thinking, looking at his run at uh, Warwick, I noticed with Jimmy Moore, there would have been an awful lot of pressure on him. And I noticed after we went over the second last, between there and the line, he was miles ahead. I think he looked over his shoulder four times. And I mean, it wasn't just a quick glance. It was a, a big swing of the head around to see where his, where his competitors were or his rivals were. And now, that jockeys do that all the time. And maybe I'm looking into it, body language <laughs> too much. I'm just looking to um, find something I can pick on. And I mean, it kind of, if I was to go reading his body language, it screamed of a sense of nervousness um, with all the pressure after everything that happened at Cheltenham last year. Like, if it didn't work out at Warwick, would he go to the champion hurdle? Would he just, you know, was that the Indigotion? Has he gotten his chance? Um, and I'm thinking if Jamie Moore and Goshen are coming or in contention coming up to the second penultimate fence and the final fence, and he's he's coming from the penultimate up to the final fence, he's thinking all of a sudden about what happened last year. Is that going to go into his mind? Is there going to be a little bit of nervous energy? Mm. You know, and horses have a sixth sense, they can sense that. Um, you know, are these little things, and this has been really unfair, really unfair, but. Again, and I'm repeating myself in, in a race of such quality, you have to try and nitpick. I'm just thinking, hopefully, it doesn't have an impact. But I think the empty stands will uh, will really, uh, will oh, really yeah. benefit both. Yeah. Of them, you know what I mean? Especially after what happened last year. Okay, yeah. Well, look, we're looking for storylines in this, so we know what to expect from Honeysuckle. We 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 think we know what to expect from Epitan. And I suppose everybody watching, you know, if you if you uh, if you're on Goshen and he's coming up to the final. Uh, hurdle don't be counting your chickens or cashing your dock or anything like that remember because I don't, remember any power i do i do uh well remember it <laughs> so, silver streak then you mentioned beat uh epitant um in kempton early uh, over christmas so obviously another one with a with a chance i suppose as well although maybe may, maybe not in the class of the front three but to have three horses up the top of the bedding like that that on their day any of them could win, as you mentioned. Like Goshen has all the talent in the world, and and, and could be, could be the the long shot here. What else is there to look out for in the champion hurdle, or are you just sticking with those three? Um, no, obviously Silver Streak is there. Beat Epitant, deserving of respect, deserving of respect. Boover Dare, remember him? Remember yeah. him? He, he's a double champion. He's here now. I mean, he is getting old now, and horses his age don't really win champion hurdles, but still. He deserves a spot there, you know. Um, if it was Crow Park, they'd be walking him out at half time to uh, to wave to the crowds <laughs> and then go back out for the throwing. But uh, you know, he deserves the line up, and it'll be interesting to see. But I can't see him hitting the frame. Uh, then you have Sharjah, the, probably the primary Willie Mullins candidate. Um, great, great horse as well, but just doesn't seem to really turn up this time of the year. Seems to. Prefer, prefer the conditions earlier in the season or whatever way he's trained he seems to be a better horse earlier in, in the year or maybe he just gets to grips with with a race and back, being back at the back at the race course quicker than other horses I don't know but one really interesting one is a horse nobody even the seasoned fans won't have heard of is uh, James de Berlin he's another Willie Mullins runner he's never even ridden for Willie Mullins or raced for Willie Mullins he's been in France for the last 
racing in France for a few years and um, Willie decided to purchase him. You know, very little known about him. Uh, and Willie needs to run him somewhere. So he decided, listen, we'll throw him into champion hurdle for, quote, something to do. So, <laughs> you know, it's going you to think, do, is there, as speaking of six cents, is your six cents, is the ears pricking up and thinking, what's Mullins up to here? Is this, this could be a, this could yeah. be the most low key uh, champion hurdle winner of all time, just popping in. Uh, yeah, Turn, it, turns it, out it's the best horse since Istabra. Yeah, you know, it, you can't put, uh, you know, Willie can always be up to a little bit of devilment, and I'm, I'm at confidence that I'm able to, may be able to catch him out once and get in there ahead of him. And I saw this coming, but no, Willie, that's what makes him stand out from the crowd. He's, he's finding horses and picking out horses now that he plans to be running. Are starting starting to bring to the race course in two years' time. That's like his connections in France, or the lads he has over in France, are just phenomenal. The way he can, nobody else can pick talent out of that country like Willie does. Mm. That's why he has so many uh, French names in the stable. They're all from France, and it's just he's incredible. And this one, this one, I think he has said um, the plan is chasing down the road. Okay. It's just that, you know, let's put him somewhere, get him into the champion hurdle. Never know what could happen. And William Mullins winning a champion hurdle with a horse that was relatively unheard of and racing for Willie for the first time and winning it. Only I mean, Willie. It wouldn't knock me off my chair. What's, <laughs> that, the, what's the name of that horse? Uh, James de Burley. James de Burley. Okay, James cool. Burley. Sounds like one of the jockeys that would be uh, racing in the in the festival, I think. But uh, okay, we'll keep an eye out for that one. That's an, that is an interesting little tidbit. Uh, Angus to wrap up our champion hurdle thing. If you're going for a winner, though, I you talked with most love about honeysuckle, but I think you're really scared of Goshen. But again, if I was to guess, I would say you'd fancy honeysuckle here. I mean, I think it's craziness not to go with honeysuckle, she just has everything. If you were to ask me, well, why, why aren't you going for honeysuckle? I couldn't give you any logical answer, she just seems to have everything, and um. No, I wouldn't like to be a trainer or jockey coming up, coming up against the Henry de Bromhead horse. Um, you know, I, I, I'd be probably thrown in the towel. It's, she just seems... I just don't see where she's going to be caught out. You know, anything can happen around Cheltenham, but she seems yeah. so assured in everything she's done. Six grade ones, and I think this is only the start of her journey. Yeah, and let's face it, a champion hurdle won by Henry de Bromhead would be great, won by Honeysuckle would be great, but I think the we'll lose our collective minds at Rachel Blackmore winning, um, you know, the, the the big, big race. I think that could be fantastic um, and a really, really good storyline on day one of Cheltenham if it was to happen. Day three of Cheltenham is where we'll get the Ryanair chase. Before we get to that, though, uh, Angus, as you know, lapsed fan, as we talked about before, there's nothing I couldn't tell you about the champion hurdle the champion chaser, the Arkle at this stage. And in a few minutes, the Ryanair chase will be uh, in there as well. But unfortunately, everything else leaves me a little bit uh, confused at this stage. But again, I'm trying to impress everybody. I'm trying to impress the listeners. I'm trying to impress my friends. I'm trying to impress other horse racing people. Uh, I need my bluffer's guide. I need something that I can say to them that will make them think I know what I'm talking about. Uh, Well, for the bluffer's guide this week, um, I'm going to go to the champion bumper because we're only touching on it briefly because I do not want to talk about the champion bumper. It's a, it's a minefield. 
it, they're all babies yet, they're yet to mature. It's like going into uh, a national school at lunchtime, just as the junior infants are coming out the door of the, into the schoolyard. Which one of them is going to reach the hula hoop at the far end of the yard first? It could be any of them. Anyway, like one or two of them have shown that they're a bit mad for roads. Go out onto the yard and get distracted by an ice cream van or, I don't know, a dead frog in a gutter or something. <laughs> you don't know. These, you know, they're babies. Anything could happen. You can't depend on them. Uh, but there is there is one horse in here that's attracted a lot of attention. Willie Mullins again, uh, Kiel Surprise, or however you pronounce that. Um, Kill Crush. Uh, so, before I discuss briefly how he ran at Leperstown, just, just you know, to, for the laps fans such as yourself, let me explain my uh, uneducated or my very uh, limited understanding of jockey manship. Um, jockeys don't actually, you know, contrary to popular belief, don't have an accelerator as such. They have a whip. It's more to just a bit of encouragement saying to let the horse know, you know, we're coming to the line, you know, we better get moving. But all they really have is a break, which is their reins. And you'll see them at the start of a race, they'll try and jump, jump out and get a good position. But then it's just holding the reins tight. And as they want the horse to go faster, they loosen them. They keep loosening them, keep loosening them till they get near the end and they let them off the bridle, hence the name, off the bridle. They let the reins loose. And the horse knows then he can go as fast as he wants. Because horses by their nature, or race horses by their nature, just want to go as quick as they can for as long as they can. And they don't, don't really understand, probably don't understand the concept of pacing themselves. So um, what was interesting about, with that in mind, what was interesting about Kilcrut's performance at the Dublin Racing Festival was the fact that two horses up ahead that were setting the pace were off the bridle, coming into the home straight. And Kilcrut, with Patrick Mullins on board, squeezing him very, very tightly, like foot bang on the brake. Kilcrut ghosted up past him, past the line with Patrick Mullins still squeezing those reins. And you wonder if Patrick Mullins had let him off the reins, you know, let him off the bridle, what would he have done? Where would he have ended up? Like, <laughs> in a champion or in a bumper, great home bumper at the Dublin Racing Festival, without coming off the bridle what's he capable of if he ever has to come off it and you know it was just it was just sensational now there is a caveat um those i suppose with more with a, a greater understanding of uh the game and a greater understanding of jockeys and horses and how they run and you know the pace pace making whatnot will say that the two lads in front probably went a little bit too fast and then probably were slowing down considerably uh, coming towards the end. In fact, Kilcroft may have been slowing down as well. So maybe it was a very flattering performance, but it's certainly worthy of attention yeah. and worthy of noting. And it'll be interesting to see the way it goes. So therefore, my bluffer's guide is... To say when when um, before the champion bumper, say if Kilcrush is upsides swinging into the final bend, he won't be caught. So upsides means uh, <laughs> a horse is alongside another horse; they're eyeballing each other. Yeah. So if he's upsides swinging around the final bend, he won't be caught. And and I've got an addendum to that because inevitably, the the British press affairs to them. You know they struggle at times with Irish names. 
and uh, Irish place names, but they, a lot of them have been saying Kilcruit or whatever. So I don't know. Are you more of a roll your eyes, roll your eyes guy maker? Or you throw the hands up in the air. But when they inevitably pronounce the name wrong, you can go, oh, it's Kilcruit. It's Kilcruit. Why don't they ever say? <laughs> I've got you. I've got you right. So I can, so I can do this. So I can, I can get in in advance of the bumper by saying that if Kilcrot is, uh, what's he gonna be? Upsides. Upsides. Heading round the final bend, he won't be beaten, right? So that's people will go, Jesus, this fella knows about Kilcrot. And then when I can get angry after the race when I'm sitting there and the com- the brilliant uh, commentary team, I have to say, on uh, ITV Racing that does it now, basically taking over from Channel 4 Racing. Uh, when they do it and they get the n- name wrong, I can be but I can be absolutely disgusted because I've had such a long relationship with uh, Kilcrut, the, the Willie Mullins horse that's going to be running in this race. Uh, okay, perfect. Okay, so that is actually one to look out for, though, in the, in the, the bumper. Uh, again, a lottery of a race, if ever there is one at the Cheltenham Festival, um, especially this far out, but that's an interesting little tip you've got going on there for my bluffer's guide. The Ryanair Chase then. Speaking of lotteries, not quite on the day, but this is seemingly one that is just like the you look at the anti-post betting there from Ladbrokes below and Shaq and Persuas second favourite, and we're almost sure he's going to run and possibly win the champion chase because we talked about him last week, which would mean he's not there. Min is another one who's more than likely going into champion chase, for example. So what do you make of all this? What are we looking out for this far out in the Ryanair? Yeah, I mean, Ryanair is a little bit like the unofficial uh, fifth championship race. The championship race has been champion hurdle, um, champion chase, stairs, uh, stairs hurdle and gold cup. Mm. Um, so, yeah, this is the fifth one. Um it's a bit like you know, I suppose your tour finals, your tour championship of the jumps racing. That, yeah. That's what it's it is. the WGC. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not so, quite a major, but it's almost one of the best WGC, which is the Ryanair, is almost there with the PGA, which in this case is the Stairs Hurdle. Absolutely, and that's why they yeah. put them on the same day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Just a, that's a good way of I think explaining it to people as well. Is that like we had there was three days at Cheltenham. They created a fourth day, so we had to have a fourth big race. But that fourth big race was never going to live up to the champion chase, the champion hurdle, or the gold cup, obviously. So it became this thing. It was the world hurdle, it was called at the time. Now it's the stairs hurdle. And it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a good big race, but it's never going to be as big as the other three. So it's always going to have competition. And it has been that Ryanair has become that one, that other other big race on the on the Thursday. It's a bit like the. It's still on one hand, it's like the fifth major, but on the other hand, it's uh, it's like it's it's a lot of trainers, you know, Plan B, you know, for those runners that are just not quick enough to contend in the champion chase, but they just don't have the, the stamina to last the Gold Cup. You know, the Ryanair mm. fits right bang in in the middle, and um, a lot of trainers that are unsure of what they're going to do. They throw them in the Ryanair. I'll give mm. you what I see down there along the bottom, Kimboy. So Kimboy has been in the Gold Cup once or twice now. Uh, he's been there, yeah, he's been there the last two years. Um, I think Willie Mullins has come to the realization now that Cheltenham probably just isn't for him, and the Gold Cup probably isn't his race. So he's considering dropping them. Like this is a really unusual move, but dropping them from a Gold Cup 
back over hurdles to the stairs hurdle. But you may as well throw me into the Ryanair chase there as well, just in case to have a plan B. You know, <laughs> you, you can you can enter as many as you want, and you can uh, take them out before the declarations are made. So, Shakun Persuas is the same. Probably won't run. Um, you know, if you have a really really good horse for a Gold Cup or a Champion Chase, um, you may as well throw them in the Ryanair chase as well, just in case you learn a little bit about them between now and the festival. Can That's I- what it is. Can I ask the length of it? Of it? So the, the Gold Cup's three and a half miles and the Champion Chase, obviously the two-mile Champion Chase, that's uh, you know fairly established. So there's a big L difference in there. And I'd imagine neither suits a lot of horses. Because you're talking about the Gold Cup being nearly double the length of um, of a Champion Chase. So if you're, is this three miles? Is it less? No, two and a half? no so the Gold Cup is about three, two. Oh, is it? And okay. You factor in that hill as well, which is a nightmare for some uh, horses. And then the champion chases two. The Ryanair comes in at around two and a half. Yeah, so you would imagine that regardless of the, there's always the plan B element to it. But if you're talking about something that's right in the middle of those two types, you'd imagine a lot of horses are suited for the two and a half. Have we got many that are like, this is the race for them and forget about all the other ones? Um, surprisingly, there is some horses I'd have liked to see in here. I think they'd have been ideal, but it just doesn't hold the same allure as uh, the Gold Cup. Yeah. An example, Paul Nichols has a few horses, which I've been disappointed they haven't run here recently um, or haven't run in recent years. I certainly thought they should have run this year and they probably won't. First one is uh, Candace Obo, double King George yeah. at Kimpton. Kimpton, you, you win a King George, immediately you're thrown into the Gold Cup, um, into Gold Cup contention. Um, but King George is ran at Kimpton, which is a flat enough track compared to Cheltenham. And I think Candace Obo has proved over the last few years, Cheltenham's just not for him, that hill and stuff. So, But I'd like to see him in the Ryanair because the hill has proved his downfall. But if you take a few furlongs off, maybe two and a half around Cheltenham isn't an awful lot far, far off, you know, the tree around Kempton. So I'd like to see him. It looks like he's going to head straight for entry, though, which mm. is, you know, in April. So we're probably not going to see him, unfortunately. Frodon won the Ryanair two years ago. Um, again, won the King George uh, last Christmas. And it looks like Paul Nichols is going to be running or going to um, the Gold Cup, give, you know, throw, throw Frodon at the Gold Cup and see how he does with Byron, Byron, Byron Frost aboard. You know, because the Gold Cup is the Gold Cup. Ryanair is never going to be the Gold Cup. And then you have Suriname, who only a few years ago there was a bit of Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali talk in racing in who was the best, Altior or Cernan. And there was all this talk about Cernan being better than Altior and then therefore being the best in the business and the best in the sport. And then they faced off at Ascot and Cernan won. So he was the undisputed best horse in jumps racing because he never actually ran at Cheltenham. And his form has dipped since then, and it's not looking likely that he'll run this year, even though the Ryanair would be the perfect race for him, in my mm. opinion. But he ran at the weekend, he pulled up, he's having breathing difficulties, and it looks like he's out for the season. But I'd have loved to see him, I think he'd be an ideal for the Ryanair, and I'd love to see him in, in his top form around Cheltenham, but, you know, what can you do? But there is, there is a few. In this, uh, you know, yeah. this before we do that, though, it's just I, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to go off on the, the getting people ready for their picking their horses, but I am intrigued by the the 
a lore of what is this race. Is it the fifth biggest race of the week? And I don't know if it is because I think you have like I the article holds more sway sometimes, even though it's for novices. And so it's just a very interesting idea. Who's your favorite ever uh, Ryanair winner? Who's the one that you remember watching? I know mine, but I had to look up the name. I couldn't remember it, and he won two. You know, I suppose one of the ones that springs straight to mind, and um, as, soon, as soon as I hear yours, I'll probably change my mind. But uh, And there's recency bias here as well, but Frodon, because that kind of really marked Byron Frost's um, yeah. you, know, you know, her rise to the top and a great character. She was a new character. She was different from all the rest of the jockeys, adding a new, um, I suppose, a new face to the game, probably a needed face, new personality. Um, yeah, and I suppose I probably remember Frodon winning it better than I mm. actually remember Min winning it last year. You know, I just yeah. had to remember Min. But my enduring memory of Ryanair is often the horses that never ran and the horses that went to Gold Cups and underperformed. Mm. There have been a few over the years that you know, I thought should have been should have been uh, going to the Ryanair, but they went to um, the Gold Cup instead and just didn't deliver. I mean, yeah. the only one that ever really kind of put the deserved, um, any kind of mass or deserved mass on this respect was Michael O'Leary. Because yeah. Michael O'Leary doesn't like giving away his money. He likes to keep his money and get collected again after giving it. Because he sponsors the race, obviously, the Ryanair Chase. So he's, he's only won it once, though. He's, he's spent years trying to win it. And he, a lot of the time he would sacrifice, in my opinion, again, a, a Gold Cup horse to run in the <laughs> Ryanair. But uh, no, with all the on him. And then, you know, to tickle him even more when Willie Mullins would go and win it. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, <laughs> I think he said after one of the years that, you know, you no longer Willie Mullins no longer trains his horses and yet he's still paying his checks. So <laughs> so um yeah, yeah. He, he won with Balak of the Flow, which is another uh another winner that I can actually remember quite well because uh I remember in the lead up to the race reading everything about this horse and uh, everything about this horse's form. And to my eyes, the only reason the horse was running was because Michael O'Leary wanted to run the horse in the race. And there was nothing to say this was a Ryanair horse. Everything went against it, in my opinion. The ground went against it. You know, there was nothing that went for it. And uh, went and won the race. So, yeah, you know, can't throw up surprises. I know. Just on O'Leary's thing there, that, that is so funny, because in, in 2015, he was third with Don Cossack, second and third in 2016, and then second again with sub-lieutenant in, in 2017, and then finally won it in 2018. So it was it was quite the journey. But just looking at so Alberta's run was the horse I was talking about, by the way, one or two years in a row, and it was the second year, actually, was the one that kind of I remember really, really well, and it felt like it was sort of a, you're witnessing a Cheltenham legend, and I wonder was that maybe sometimes that only happens because of the repeat in the race, rather than what race it is but you know gone back and forth. but there's been some great horses like that have won this race over the years our Vic Imperial Commander um Q card uh under so being probably the most recent of, of, of the really great horses that have won it so like again it has a huge pedigree but I just don't think sometimes it grabbed I asked you what your favorite one was because they're not always the most memorable races in the week where you think you know, you might remember the horses as being great Cheltenham horses, but you might necessarily jump out again for the non-real racing fan. It's not like, oh, geez, I remember who won the Gold Cup. I remember who won the Champion Hurdle. This is more like, I, geez, I remember Undersoul winning a race one year. It was brilliant. But you have to remember that for Undersoul and Min to an extent, 
the Ryanair was almost second choice. They were first yeah. choice champion chasers, yeah. and it didn't work out behind Alti or whatever. So they sent them to Ryanair, and it worked out there. But this was never the first choice, and people don't breed horses to for to to, to, win, the to win the Ryanair chase. You know, it's, <laughs> take that, Michael O'Leary. Maybe <laughs> well, now maybe Michael O'Leary does. Uh, he like he does he do, he did enjoy winning this race and I'm sure he'd like to win it again before he completely pulls out of the game, which unfortunately looks like he's gradually doing that. But um, yeah, there's um, Min Min is there deserving of respect. Uh, one horse, you know, Alaho's there the favourite. Mm. Uh, I like great performance last last year in the RSA, just picked by Champ. Um, I thought. She, showed enough to uh, prove that likes the race course hasn't done an awful lot wrong this year um, Imperial Aura Aura has been impressive at Ascot but hasn't yet uh, proven himself against you know a Willie Mullins arsenal which is what he's going to have to do with Cheltenham mm. uh, and coming up against the big boys uh, one horse that you don't see there and it's been completely forgotten about and it's going to be I have a very strong affinity as a male man to this horse for one reason. Mellon has gone to Cheltenham four times and Mellon has got second at Cheltenham four times. Mm. So <laughs> it's quite clear. You don't need to be a psychologist to figure out why I have a strong affinity to this horse. But that's, that, that, you know, that aside is, you know, it's the head thinking as well as the heart because I think at the prices, I think I checked last, it was in double, uh, Mellon was in double digits, twice second in the champion chase, um, another interesting aspect here is William Mullins has men, Aloho, Mellon. Um, who's who's going to which which horses is, is Paul Townian going to take? He'll have first choice. I'm not sure will he necessarily take Aloho. I if I was in his shoes, and there's a reason I'm uh, there's a reason he is in his shoes and I'm not, you know, he knows a lot better than I do. But if I was in his shoes, I don't think I'd be happy on Aloho, and I'd be interested to see. Who he chooses and who takes the other rights if the amateurs aren't going to be there. Though Paddy Mullen, Patrick Mullins may be there. And you know, if, yeah, if Patrick Mullins does turn professional, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him teaming up with Mellon again. And if he does, you know, I think that's that's where I'd be lying my chips. Okay, don't forget about Mellon for the Ryanair, says Angus. Thanks a million, Angus. That was Really enlightening, I think. I, I enjoyed the the general chat about the kind of uh, the 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 layer the the hierarchy of Cheltenham races, and of course, I think we got some valuable information there as well. But the champion hurdle is the big one that we spoke about today. That's going to be the big race on Tuesday, the first day of it. Honeysuckle. Uh, uh, what's the name of the Willie Mullins horse again? Just in case people out here that that's never run from before. James Deverley. James, James De- De- running because Willie Mullins wants something to do with him. Something to do, great stuff. Angus will be back with us next week. Our shaman of Cheltenham is going to bring us more. Uh, we'll have two more races with you next week, and then we're going to be very bloody close to it when we come back for 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 episode four uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But um, looking forward to chatting to Angus again next week. Thanks a million. If you are having a bet on Cheltenham or, of course, anything at all in between now and then, please always gamble responsibly. Visit dunlouis.net for more information. We'll be back with you next week for more Road to Cheltenham. Uh, we'll pick two more races. If you want to listen to last week's show, please do go back and listen to uh, episode one where we talked about the Arkle, uh, brilliant Arkle. It looks actually set to be one of the best races 
um, of the week and the champion chase. We spoke about them in episode one. We'll have more next week. Next Thursday, we'll be back with Angus for two more races from the festival. Of course, if you want to listen uh, to any other of our output from the build-up, we had Stephen Ferris on yesterday talking about the Italy versus Ireland game in the Six Nations, so you can just search for the build-up on Balls Ali for that. And we'll be back with you next Wednesday. Before we talk Cheltenham, we'll be talking some football with Kevin Doyle also on the build-up. So, we'll see you then. <laughs>